Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome in to episode number two, season two of the MNCAA podcast. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. And to preview our first matchup for the 2022-23 season. And why wouldn't it be two interstate rivals? Wait, rivals? No, they will be rivals at some point. Uh, St. Thomas and St. Cloud going at it. Uh, it's a split series uh, starting in Mendota Heights on Saturday. And then back in St. Cloud on Sunday. It is a Saturday-Sunday matchup. Uh, boys. How are we Saint, doing? Uh, St. Paul Saturday, right? Is that? No. No, it's not. Oh, maybe it's mislisted on the website, which is fine. Um, you yeah, know, the well, important part. <laughs> well, well, you already had it again, Dr. <laughs> Stats, so. a, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, schools see St. Thomas and it's actually in St. Paul, but they play in Mendota Heights, which is a suburb. Of, yeah. <laughs> so they it's should like, clarify. Yeah. So that's, so it's actually in Mendota Heights. Um, so if anybody's listening and wants to go to the game, don't go to St. Paul and wonder where everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, was, that was last year. Uh, yeah, for those, yes, that was last year. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. At the me. XL Energy Center, which will not be happening this year. No. Um, uh, maybe we should start with that. Uh, one thing that won't be happening this year, um, again, for Ryan, and this is more directed at you, uh, it won't be the numbers we saw last year. Um, it was 12 to two on, uh, essentially the, the first toes in the water for St. Thomas for division one hockey, and then a much better showing Saturday, still a two, nothing St. Cloud win. uh, dare I say again, we're not going to see numbers like that this time around. No, it's, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Um, because I think St. Thomas is a better team this year. I think they're better than last year. I think they got some good recruits. I think they have, you know, goaltending. It's all newcomers, so it's untested. So that's going to be kind of a question mark, at least at the start, because they're not used to D1 hockey yet. We'll be seeing how that shakes out. But I think I think they're going to score. Let's put it that way. It's not going to be a 2 nothing Saturday game. Um, I think it's going to be reasonably close, but um, I think St. Cloud just has a few too many weapons. But uh, it's going to be a tight game, and it's a sellout so at St. Thomas, so there'll actually be a 1,000 fans there. So... <laughs> Well, it's almost like an Arizona Coyotes game this season. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, speaking of which, though, Noah, uh, you know, Ryan talks about untested goaltending. Uh, he talks about uh, some weapons, but, you know, kind of honestly, there's some untested weapons for St. Cloud, too, which lost a lot of their veteran uh, goal scoring and just some veteran presence from a team that was looking last year to make yet another national championship run. It did not. Um, come to fruition as Huskies fans and the team had hoped. Uh, so as many question marks as there are for St. Thomas, dare I say there are some still some fairly significant question marks for St. Cloud as well. 
Yeah, but there's a lot of guys on that roster that have been there, done that, right? Uh, you know, and I think that's the difference when you have St. Thomas, obviously. I mean, they have enough transfers and enough players that have obviously been there at different levels, and you do have some veteran experience. But, I mean, St. Cloud, one of the, you know, established teams and one of the best leagues in college hockey in the NCHC. Let's, you know, as much as everyone wants to tout about the Big Ten, I don't want to hear it. I mean, the NCHC really bar none, I would say, has probably carried that mantle more. I mean, you look at how many teams have made, you know, the Frozen Four, been a national championship. What, what is it? Five of the last six champions have been NCHC uh, teams yes. uh, for national champions. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know, St. Cloud, I think, you know, comes from a, a more stronger place as far as recruiting and being established, quite obviously. But like you said, I mean, 60 minutes is 60 minutes. Even last year, St. Thomas gave them a run for their money. A two to nothing score is nothing to scoff at, especially when you get your doors blown off, you know, the, the night before. Um, you know, I, I do expect a much tougher matchup. I still think the Huskies, like Ryan said, hold the edge at least on paper and probably carry a little bit more of that veteran experience into that matchup. But again, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. The question is for uh, both of these teams, who's going to gel quicker? I mean, if you if you're St. Thomas and you have a line or two that's rolling that night, or you run into a hot goaltender, anything can happen. So, so I guess maybe what's the fear for this matchup, Ryan? Uh, I think for St. Thomas fans, there's maybe a little less pressure, being that this is still a younger Division One team. This is year two, but you are looking to see some improvements, right? You talked about how the biggest struggle for them last year was the offense was scoring goals. Is that really, I mean, let's just say St. Thomas drops both these games. If they're close games and say they put up, you know, two, three goals on average, there's still some positivity to take from that, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you know, coaches say there's like no moral victories, you know, when it comes to losses, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like, I looked at kind of like last year, you know, they lost a, that first game into Mankato in the playoffs. And it's like, although they lost, they played really well that game against, you know, one of the best teams in the country. They played well the second game against St. Cloud last year, 2 nothing, <laughs> still lost, but they played better. And I think they, there's some positives you can take from that. If they put up some goals and they keep it at least somewhat close, um, like if it's like a 4-2 game or like a 5-3 game, or I'll even say like a 5-2 game, as long as they put some goals on the scoreboard, I think that's something that they can take away from that. Like, hey, we played a good, a really good team tough this weekend, and then we can go on the next weekend, which, you know, it's not an easy opponent, but probably a much easier opponent compared to a ranked St. Cloud team is. So they can build on that and go into the next weekend with some positivity. Right, let's let's build on that a little bit because you know for St. Thomas, right? Um, you know, is, is there a chance though to maybe surprise some people? And I say that because, you know, last year's last year, but mm -hmm. you nearly surprised the college hockey world by essentially putting Mankato uh, to the ropes. Um, you know, is that something that for the players returning uh, that were on that ice uh, last uh, last May uh, to come into this fall, um, is there a way that you can maybe build on that? Or if you keep it close, uh, keep the faith that, hey, we got a chance at this thing? Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think they are going to have a better season, and I think they're going to have a better weekend. And I think they know that they're the rough – first year it was going to be a bad year everybody knew that they're going to take a lot of lumps especially in the first half of the season but there was some progression and rico's talked about that before that 
they got better with each series. They didn't get, with the exception of one game against Mankato, really, they didn't get blown out in the second half, really. Or if it was, it was like a three-goal loss, which is actually pretty good for <laughs> St. Thomas compared to the first half. But it was, um, it, I think there is some positivity. I Fans are interested, you know, they're, they're um, it's not, you know, a massive following, but there's some generated interest. I know there's going to be St. Thomas fans there. Um, it's going to be a pretty loud crowd there. It's a sellout. They're hyping it up to me. Press box is apparently going to be full, so I get to be squished on Saturday night, so I have to look forward to. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, I haven't seen St. Cloud, you know, in a smaller arena in a while. So it's – um. I think it'll be interesting to see St. Cloud play in an arena that size because when was the last time they played an arena that is a thousand seat max? That's like their maximum. Does that happen? In no here? idea. No. Honestly. Yeah. yeah not not recently. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot recall. Uh, but that is something to kind of keep in mind. Right. And Ryan, and this goes to, you know, and that is, you know, how does St. Cloud uh, who dare I say the non-conference uh, you know, sort of schedule and then the results of that really kind of helped them along the way, which was a very tough and a, shall we say a 500 uh, NCHC conference, uh, you know, results that that non-conference uh, results really kind of helped keep them in that top 16. So as much as, you know, we can scoff at it, as much as we can say that on paper, Huskies still have advantage. Uh, these are still very critical games for St. Cloud to maintain that edge and to try to carry that non-conference success into what should be um, another season where they should be in the top 16. Yeah, but I think as a player, you don't go into it thinking that. I, I think you just have to focus on the process a little bit like Ryan said. You know, here's the thing. If St. Cloud puts up 45 shots and they lose one nothing, can you be mad at that? You know what I mean? If you're playing the right way. And one of the other things I really like, talking about ring sizes and this and that, I like that St. Cloud's on the road for the first matchup, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit easier to acclimate. I don't know why. I feel like myself as a player felt like road games were a little bit easier because all the noise and all the distraction of a home opener, being in your building, expectations of the fans in the building, it all kind of goes away. You just focus on the task at hand. And I think for St. Cloud, you don't need to add any whatever pressure you want to add to, you know, as opposed to St. Thomas, who really doesn't have any. I mean, they're going in as the underdog, right? Um, but I think St. Cloud, it... it both teams' identities and goals for the weekend are almost the same. Are you playing the right way? Are you doing things fundamentally? And the chips are going to fall where they're going to fall. Again, I talked about, you know, I think St. Cloud is the better team on paper. I think they have more weapons, like Ryan had said. Um, but you run into a hot goaltender, you get a line for St. Thomas that's rolling, anything can happen. Really what you want to take away, besides those valuable points, which you mentioned are are crucial for the pairwise if you drop one of the games, it's not the end of the world. It's how you respond. And I think for St. Cloud, historically, they've responded really well. They don't want to be in that position, but that starts with just playing the game fundamentally the right way. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I mean, hockey games are based on luck sometimes, and that is what it is. Covering Brett uh, and speaking with him at NCHC Media Day just uh, about a week ago, um, talked about how his goal for at least the start of the season, being that there are so many younger folks um, up in the forward position, that he was going to rely on his defense, his veteran, very deep defensive core. Uh, do you see it the same way where um, St. Club might not be this most 
offensively, you know, threshing team right out the gate. It's going to be more responsible structure defensively than maybe, you know, creating some turnovers and then, and then capitalizing in on transition. Do you see it the same way? Well, yeah, I think they're going to be a little bit more balanced as opposed to they kind of transitioned a little bit into a little bit more speed and skill last year. Whereas the year before they made it obviously to the national championship game and those grease pan goals, those Dave Shyak goals that we've, we've alluded to so much uh, really were at the forefront, but I kind of like that a little bit because I think that if you have a team that, you know, let, let's be real, St. Cloud still recruits really well, still gets some pretty good offensive players. Their deficiency last year was getting out of their own zone. Brett Larson talked about it himself at the NCAC media day. If you're able to work from the back end up, get good goaltending, get enough defense in your own zone that you're snapping first passes up and transitioning well, offense is going to come. You know, with that team, I can't imagine St. Cloud is going to struggle mightily for offense. Uh, So, you know, if you're making plays in the defensive zone, that's only going to breed into offense. I think he's definitely right with that sentiment. I still think there's more offense that's that's, you know, on the table than maybe an example would be maybe Grant Cruikshank if he has any sort of a quote unquote bounce back season from whatever you want to call last year, which I don't think was a bad year for him at all. I mean, what a great addition down the middle for St. Cloud, for example. So they've got enough there to work with. But again, if they are able to work from the back end and start defensively, I think it's just going to bode well for them in general. It's prediction time here, guys. Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, realistically, how does St. Thomas fare this weekend? And uh, I guess if there is a way for the Tommies to take either one or two away from St. Cloud, how do they do it? I I do think it's going to be two Huskies wins this weekend. Um, I think they're going to be fairly close. The big thing with St. Thomas is they have 17 newcomers this year. It's like almost an entirely new roster, and they're all coming in at the same time playing a very good ranked team of <laughs> their season opening series. So oh, that's easy, like, Ryan. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of question marks going into this weekend. I mean, Rico hyped it up. He said, like, they're gelling really well together, but now they have to gel against a really good opponent. I'm going to say Huskies sweep. Um, I'll say maybe Five two the first night and maybe five three the second night. That's what I think I'm going to go with. Um, I think there's a chance that maybe they could pull an upset, but a lot has to go well. The communication has to be there, and as we mentioned earlier, they have to score. That was a struggle all through last year, at least definitely during the first half. If they can't get the puck into the back of the net, they're gonna. It's going to be a rough night both nights for them. And Noah Grant, real quick for you, how do the what uh, do you expect for the Huskies? And if there's a way to maybe uh, I don't know if you want to frame it as avoiding an upset, but how do you ensure that uh, you are, I uh, say, the more skilled team and that you are not maybe getting trapped and maybe shooting yourself in the foot? Yeah, I think three to one on Friday night Huskies win um, on the road. I think it might be a little bit tighter, smaller rink uh, for starters, but also, uh, you know, I feel like St. Thomas is going to come out with a little bit of jump. I think last year, maybe they were a little bit shell shocked in that first game. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think you're going to have a group that's ready to go from puck drop and maybe have a little bit of energy in that building as well, too. So I think it's going to be a little bit tighter on Friday, obviously newcomers for St. Cloud getting their feet wet with first opportunities too. Uh, Saturday or Sunday, or sorry, Saturday is the first night. Sorry. Um, and then Sunday, I think it's going to be a little bit more wide open five two. the Huskies do win. Uh, I, I think that big ice sheet is really going to favor St. Cloud in that second matchup. So I, I do anticipate a Husky sweep as well too, but hey, crazier things have happened. So 
as they have just ask Air Force and AIC. So, anyways, uh, I'm opening in Scarrez. Yes, uh, gentlemen, thanks again uh, for a week one preview. We now need to head over uh, to our good old friend Drew Cole, who is going to inform us a little bit on the first weekend matchup for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And uh, joining me, as always, for Season 2, we're talking about the Minnesota Golden Gophers we have with us, college hockey aficionado Drew Cove. Drew, welcome back for Season 2, and uh, oh my goodness, an exciting one if you're a Gophers fan. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great title. I'll go with that. Hockey, college hockey aficionado, there we go. But yeah, it's an exciting one for the Gophers this year. You know, it's uh, it's obviously uh, high expectations per usual um, from uh, the fan base for sure, but uh um, given the body of work since Bob Motzko's taken over and seeing all the roster additions and seeing all the roster uh, stability, I guess, is, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to be really positive and go for, go for land right now. It really is. I, I, the only thing that, you know, concerns me is can you fill Mariucci arena, but I digress. Um, there should be many reasons to fill Mariucci this year. Um, you know, and again, you talked about it, the, uh, the schedule. Uh, again, mimicking what we saw a little bit last year was renewing some of those interstate rivals, which should never have gone away in the first place. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. never should have. Uh, but we talk about non-conference schedules, right, Drew? And uh, as much as we pay attention to Big Ten matchups and conference matchups, in reality, the non-conference matchups actually weigh a little bit more than the conference ones, especially when it comes down to the pairwise rankings and not shall we say that the Gophers, at least on paper, should be in any danger of not being what we think will be in the top sixteen at the end of the uh, end of the end of the winter here. But you still got to play your full season of hockey, and you got to take every advantage and every game as seriously as the first one here coming up here on Saturday. Yeah, it's different than like I mean, you look at Michigan and how, how many teams they have in state too. I mean, you play those rivals; it's it's not the same effect as that. I mean, oftentimes four out of the six now um d1 programs in minnesota are ranked in the top 20 and often they're ranked in the top 10 because often bemidji sneaks in there as the fifth so i mean you gotta it's it's mncaa uh for a reason and it's it's because it's all really competitive and um i i just don't i i don't see how um anytime soon the big 10 uh play mattering um for tournament play and national tournament play as much as these games, I mean, they play Minnesota State early on. We're going to see how those two teams fare. That'll be a very interesting ser- interesting series uh, right off the bat. Play North Dakota, see where those, I mean, kind of setting the barometer for the season um, for basically yeah. the Western landscape, I think. I mean, the only the only team left out of that really is Denver, I think, in playing all these yeah. teams. And I think that's another team that the Gophers need to get get around to playing again because that's going to be that, – that's, that's, that's always a really – really deep matchup but and then they play st cloud in january and it's going to be i mean just a lot of conference game after that from from there it's still it's just it's it's a tough schedule and uh, that's that's where the hay is made i mean you you win a win versus a tie against minnesota state early in the season we're going to be talking i mean we're going to be talking about it in march we are and yes regardless of how that series goes we don't know we're going to talk about oh man what if one puck went because it's probably going to be close games what if one puck went bounced differently um, I think you'd say, what if one guy didn't have his jersey held or tugged or whatever, you know? So it's uh, <laughs> it, it matters, right? It matters. It, it it's, does it, when it's down when it's down to these in-state matchups. It, it, Minnesota, the in-state matchups matter a ton, a ton. 
They're bragging rights, and uh, dare I say the Huskies fans are triggered already, Drew, so thanks for that. Uh, but <laughs> at the end of it, um, you know, there is some, there's some a little bit of, you know, similarity here for last season. Uh, it was St. Cloud that was, you know, sort of christening St. Thomas in their first ever Division One matchup, and the Gophers actually get uh, to christen Lindenwood for the first ever Division One matchup. Yeah. So, you know, shall we say that, you know, this is a good thing for college hockey. Now, I know that uh, let's be honest. Is this going to be the same draw uh, as to maybe the next few weekends when, like you said, we have Minnesota State on the docket, North Dakota on the docket? Probably not. Uh, but there's still plenty of reasons to come out and support this team. Um, I, I guess for you, you know, we saw uh, we we're seeing two new squads and a third one already coming to next year with the addition of Augustana in, in, in South Dakota. But I guess, you know, is this cool just in the general scheme of things that the Gophers are part of what continues to be the evolution and the growth? That's the big keyword here. I want to emphasize growth of the game of hockey, especially at the collegiate level. Yeah, I mean, it was good that the Gophers were so good for so long. And then as they continued, to, I mean, as they were really good, all these other Minnesota teams in state at least came in and decided, okay, we're going from D one or D two, D three to D one. And we're going to try and be a small school that makes it on the map. And you know what? It's really enticing to want to beat the, it's, it's like you beat the Yankees. You, everyone wants to join the other team, beat the Yankees. Everyone wants to join the other team and beat the Gophers. It's natural. It, it makes sense. They've been, they were, they've been the class of college hockey for a long time. And they've been, they've, they just, they expect success. The fans demand success. And it's got to be, I mean, as a competitive athlete, you got to say, man, I want to, I want to find a way to bring that down. I want to find a way to make success on my own rather than, and there are some guys that say, man, I want to continue the tradition. And I mean, there's kind of two, two schools of thought there. Both are very, obviously the Gophers still have very high end players. So there are players that value that, but I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's fostered a good competitive balance. And um, I think obviously we took, I've talked about parody a lot in the past, but you know, college yes. hockey is good because all these kids grow up and they want to either play for that team or they want to go somewhere else and be good enough to beat that team. So, I mean, having yes. all these schools added, and I mean, in Missouri, it's, it's great. Cause it's been like, uh, I mean, we see all these younger NHLers that I mean, a few years ago that that joined that grew up in the St. Louis area. And you say, mm -hmm. Oh man, wow. You didn't really think of Missouri as a hockey state, but now, now D one college hockey, get some kids out there and watch the game and go to blues games. And it's probably obviously a lower um, cost, uh, perspective to get in but you know it's 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 good for the game and they've got a kid from georgia on their team they've got a uh they've got i think one or two from florida and it's just it, it keep keep going and keep expanding the game and i think this is what's going to get young people really interested and you gotta beyond just high school beyond i mean if if eventually once lindenwood's been around for a while um d1 wise i mean they're not just going to be coming to mariucci to play to, to play a few openers and almost like a preseason game against the gophers but I mean, the golfers will go down there. They'll find a conference. They're going to play. They're going to. They're going to. They're going to play some better teams, and they're going to draw. And somebody's going to say, "Oh man, Denver! They just won the national championship." Well, UMD, they're one of the best teams in college hockey. I mean, if those if those teams start to come down there, and I mean, obviously, I think eventually they will once they kind of build a program up. And same with Augustana uh, and South Dakota. But um, it's just it's a, it's a really fun time in college hockey to see that. Finally, there's a lot of interest in building rinks and, and making the jump uh, to kind of facilitate a D1 program at a lot of these schools that haven't had it before.
You talk about the ebbs and flows of college hockey, and you could say college programs. Uh, I, I think none, you know, kind of defines that. Like maybe the last fifteen years of, of the Gopher hockey landscape, right? Back to back national championships, oh two, oh three, and then you, you saw them stay competitive. Then there was a lull. And then there was a coaching change and Bob Mosco has, shall we say, just kind of revitalized uh, the programs, you know, really their, their stance in the college hockey world being that top uh, level type program. Right. Um, so, and you talk about the expansion of the game. In fact, you talk about Matthew Nice and Logan uh, Cooley, uh, Arizona natives, uh, again, non-traditional hockey markets that are producing not just talent, but holy hell high level talent um so the expectations yeah. for this group is high right um and it starts again with a, a you know a preseason battle with lindenwood um but there's kind of a trap here right drew and that is lindenwood much like st thomas last year um they probably you know it, the, the books are stacked against them right and it's easy mm -hmm. for an athlete to a degree and i'm certainly not you know we're make saying that they will do this, but uh, maybe, you know, put the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, maybe only stay in first or second gear. Um, again, this is college hockey. This is division one athletics. Um, how do the golfers, you know, go into this matchup uh, knowing that on paper shouldn't be a problem, but knowing that they still can't take a night off and need to still play a full 60 minute hockey game, both on Saturday and again on Sunday. I mean, they've, they've got to, they've got to rev the engines and really, get going to realize that, okay, we have some of the best teams in college hockey coming down uh, just a few weeks afterwards. Um, they got to say, you know what, we got to keep our foot on the gas as much as possible. And if it's a blowout, it's a blowout. Good for them. And now they know they feel maybe a little bit more confident, but I think they, they've got to go all out to, to say, okay, we're, we're ready. We're ready as a group. I mean, historically, obviously the practice time before the season starts is obviously very minimal. Um, usually before they, they each team plays of their first series and you say, oh man, this team doesn't, I think a team with uh, some different, uh, uh, a bit of a different makeup might struggle, but I mean, they have, the Gophers have the top guys. They can let the freshmen kind of figure it out, but they have some guys that have played together that are impact guys that aren't just kind of like fourth, third line senior players that have just been around a long time, but they have the impact guys at the top. I mean, guys who are waiting to be impact guys that are new to the fold and they'll, they'll figure it out as they go. And they're going to have to be, I mean, they get probably two games to, to get that a little bit of leeway, but I mean, I think, uh, they're going to need it all against uh, the Minnesota States and the, and the North Dakotas, but they just, I think they got to put their foot on the gas and say, you know what, we're, we're gunning. We, we need a national championship. We need to make it to the frozen four. That's what this, that's what this team is built to do. Um, Brock Faber, Matthew Nye's coming back is indication of that. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a lot like it, it, to me, it feels a lot like when I first started watching the Gophers a lot, when Nick Bugstad came back that for his uh, junior year, that was kind of this him saying, okay, we're we're giving this one one more run at the at 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 the at the handle, and we're going to see if we can go get it. And obviously, they fell short. But um, this kind of team, obviously, the the players are a lot different, and the roles are a bit different. But um, I'd be hard pressed to find Matthew Nyes back here, and if Logan Cooley has a good season, I'd be really hard pressed to find him back here when there's a kind of a, an open roster where he got drafted, where he's going to be able to probably make some money and 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 develop as an NHLer. So. Uh, when you have those kind of guys, your windows can be a bit shorter. And obviously, like you mentioned, the kind of influx the Gophers program has been the last 20 years, turned from national championships to a lot of guys who are NHL talents to pros, then the conference change, and then the the coaching change, obviously, and then uh, now here we are. So it's been a very tumultuous like 20 years for the Gophers, if you think about it. But uh, in kind of the philosophy of getting players, and obviously with between uh, Don and 
and Bob here, it's 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 obviously a little different, but it's uh, they're going to need to put it put all their, their their whole foot on the gas to make sure that the, uh, they get past Lindenwood pretty uh, securely, and then uh, hopefully just be ready be ready for Minnesota State. And you know, Drew, you, you mentioned you know these top tier programs, and we, we talk about this ad nauseum at times. I think is where you know again Matthew Nyes. There, there was a question whether he'd even be back this season. He is uh, Logan Cooley, a, a, a top five draft pick, also looking very good. You know what sort of you know his outlook like uh, as far as his career with the Gophers, right? Um, and with expectations come pressure, right? And I think the one thing you try to balance. If you're a, a a program like the Gophers, which have all the talent in the world to be a national championship contender, knowing in the back of their heads that every time that a season ends, whether you are raising a national championship trophy um, or you're falling short, that roster changes are coming. Um, how do you balance not, you know, I guess playing to your to your level that you know you can, while also trying to make sure you're not putting too much pressure on yourselves to know that this may be a one and done season and trying to keep things, dare I say, as loose as you can. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that role is going to have to fall on a Brock favor um, as kind of the, the lead guy, the experienced leader guy. Um, obviously seeing him kind of celebrate last year when the winning the winning conference and, and, and kind of his jubilation on the ice after the game and kind of his looseness with his, with his teammates when, some people could just be like, you know, just uh, don't want to make it a big deal. But he, he was out. He was he, he looked really ex- genuinely excited for that to happen. And uh, not that the guys who don't show it, like, don't appreciate it. But I think he just seems like the kind of guy that is going to be making sure. All right. This we're going to be we're going to be focused, but we're going to be we're going to be loose. We're going to be with each other through the thick of it. And obviously they're going to go through the thick of it right away. But I think some of it comes on the, on the Bob Motskin too, and the coaching staff is to say, all right, we have high expectations, but you, you got to take it game by game. And if you have, you have a night where uh, a Matthew Nyes doesn't get a point. I mean, a lot of these guys might, are, are going to, are maybe feel expected to be point of game players. And uh, against, uh, against some of the, not the, not the class of college hockey teams, I guess, not the, the blue bloods at absolutely. They're going to need to, they're going to be able to, put on a lot of points and it maybe I mean if they have a, a game where they had where they're they're held off the score sheet against Wisconsin or something on a on a Friday in, in December maybe that maybe that gets in their head but you got to kind of the leaders and the, and the coaching staff need to make sure that say hey it's a game we got 30 some of them to play uh hopefully more than that obviously as it uh, gets down to tournament time but each game is not going to be yours but I mean you got to try your best to make it all so they just got to kind of take it in into pieces I think is to to, to make that engine go. And definitely, you know, guys, like you mentioned, Matthew Nyes, uh, you know, that's going to be the challenge, right. Is, you know, more the mental side of things because they are going to attract, um, you know, the uh, opposing teams, you know, at least best defensive units, whether it be in the forward or the defensive end, they're going to attract a lot of attention anytime that they step on the ice. Drew, uh, it's prediction time. Again, Lindenwood, first ever division one regular season matchup. Um, it comes against the Golden Gophers, um, a team that uh, should be, again, a top five team. Uh, so what, what's going to happen this uh, Saturday and Sunday? Again, it's, it's kind of weird saying Saturday, Sunday, because you normally say Friday, Saturday. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the first ever weekend for college hockey, they move it back a day. So uh, what should we expect this weekend? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Gophers sweep. I think uh, I, I think they keep their foot on the gas. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a period here or there or maybe the first period Saturday night where you say, boy, what? What, what are they doing out there? And because obviously not a lot of 
not a lot to go off of playing this Lindenwood team. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a little, if it's a little choppy, chippy at the, at the start of it. But I think the Gophers will, will find a handle and, and win both games. But obviously, I mean, Lindenwood coming into the D1, is, this is their first game. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough task to go up against the number two team in the country. And, but uh, I mean, you got to think that this is a good experience for their program. And I mean, Get, get them against all the blue bloods they can and just play and play and play and, and, and get a lot of interest and, 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 you know, just grow the game. I mean, I, it's, it's hopefully, hopefully people in uh, St. Charles are going to, are going to gravitate towards the team once they, once they are able to find some stability, some success. And uh, yeah. That's uh, I think everybody around the twin cities expecting the same result. Uh, obviously golfers and the Lindenwood uh, lions, I believe is the, uh, is their mascot uh, due to match up here this weekend. Uh, as always, we wish the best to the, the golden golfers in this drought, but it's time to switch gears to the other team that wears maroon and gold. We'll welcome in Max Veach also for your season two, as he previews the first series for the university of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Now let's welcome in Max Veach back for season two for a week one preview here for the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Max, uh, I know some Huskies fans are going to say, no, it's not great to see, but I disagree. It's good to see you back here, buddy. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. You know, we all like each other when it's the off season. We can all like appreciate college hockey for what it is. We're really not going to get into the grinder until the last week of the season again, once we're facing <laughs> off against one another after what I'm assuming is going to be a mid-season battle in the first meeting anyway. So we've got yeah. some time to let that steam build up again. Yes, we do. Um, what we don't have time for, uh, first team to build up is, hey, season's back again. And uh, yeah, and, and there's some renewed optimism uh, for UMD. We talked about this a little bit last week, Max, but for those who maybe have missed it, uh, this Duluth squad, at least on paper, it might look a little bit different on the ice than maybe in the teams we've seen in the past, including the ones that maybe brought home back-to-back -back national champions. Yeah, it'll be really, really interesting. And I think pretty fun to see uh, a, a lot of new faces coming in here. There's a, a much, much younger team than, than UMD has been used to, at least in the recent years anyway. And I think that brings in some nervousness, uh, maybe some uncertainty. But like I mentioned before, a lot of excitement for for some of the names in here. We've got a first round draft pick for what seems like the first time in a while, um, and in uh, Isaac Howard there. And what he and some of the other other people can bring in here is maybe some more offense, which which hasn't been a, a UMD staple. And so it could be something that uh, we're we're not used to seeing in terms of a different style of hockey for for the rest of the season. And for a team that last year, and we talked about it throughout the course uh, uh, of the uh, of the weeks as the weeks got on here, Max was it was a team that frustrated us, and, and it was a team that we could see the dots on the page, and yet for whatever reason, and, and dare we say that we should have known better, right? Is it just wasn't connecting early enough, and there were some serious questions of whether they would. Now, in true typical Scott Sandlin fashion, it connects at the most appropriate time, which is the playoffs. But I know that UMD fans, they don't want to see that being replicated. And what I mean by that is we know that uh, Scott Sandlin's teams will always figure it out defensively. Offensively last year was a struggle. Some of the names that are coming in, and dare I say some of the names are still around, 
that shouldn't be as big of a problem this season as it was last season. Yeah, I, I really think it will be a, a different style, like I mentioned before, a different style of hockey throughout the the, the duration of, of the year. Um, I, I think Blake Biondi coming back, being the leading scorer from last year, is going to keep that role. He proved that he can play as a first-line guy and you know pick up a lot of that steam. Where I think they're going to get a lot of help is a, a transfer and Derek Dashke coming over yes. and probably you know headlining that, that power play from the blue line there and kind of captaining stuff there. He isn't a great defensive defenseman, if you want to pull it, put it that way, but he knows how to operate in that that atmosphere and kind of command stuff there. And he can score, too. I mean, he's proved that when he was at Miami, and I, I think that will translate really, really well to Sandlin's style of play. And I think he will be brought up as a defensive player throughout that as well. And you talk about an area that really handcuffed, or shall we say, maybe, uh, you know, when an opportunity presents itself, we're talking about special teams. Um, you know, there's ways that, dare I say, a penalty kill can keep you in a game. There's ways that a power play can get you back in one. Or dare I say, at times, put some separation between, right? Special teams can be very, very important. The power play, I know a lot of fans have talked about it for you only last season. This is a new leaf, but again, you talked about Dashke, you talked about Isaac Howard, Blake Biondi, uh, Wyatt Kaiser. Let's not forget about him and his role. He can play in the back end, at least on paper, this power play should be better. I would be shocked if it weren't significantly better, not just better, but significantly better this year. And that's, that's maybe a little bit crazy with all of the experienced talent that's gone out. But like you just mentioned here, there is not a lack of talent on what I assume is going to be the power play for this season. It's just going to be a matter of harnessing that. And, you know, the people that were leading scores or the people that are growing up a little bit more, Wyatt Kaiser is a junior now. I think it is going to make a bit of a difference in how they're able to kind of command the ice. And it, it's really going to help them out on that special teams. And uh, we'll definitely have to be right because, again, the NCHC conference stacked again. Um, and dare I say, you know, a conference that normally is four to at least five teams deep, this year it could be six. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but Colorado College, I've said it on other platforms, but watch out for the Tigers. I think that they may be a sleeping giant. And so, dare I say that not only are we talking about special teams being important, but five-on-five five play, right? And But here's the thing. Scott Sandlin's teams have always really, really excelled at the even strength game, especially at home ice. Um, and now welcoming in Arizona State as our first uh, weekend matchup. Uh, they're a team that has at times, at least in recent years, played a little bit loose, shall we say, at even strength. Um, they sort of can give you some opportunities. So, Max, uh, for UMD fans looking to get the season started off strong, uh, I guess what should we expect here for the first weekend against Arizona State, who, credit, is no slouch of a hockey team, uh, but shall we say that they are probably not in the same caliber or tier as the Bulldogs? Yeah, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast when we were talking about teams that we think are going to make a big leap or be a bit of a surprise. I, I picked out Arizona State, and I probably listed off three or four of them when we were talking about yeah. it there. But Arizona State is one of them I think is going to make a big leap. I'm, I've I've written about it before. I'm shocked that they don't just get all of the open candidates for, right. for people that want to go play hockey because they're playing in a really fun arena. They're now playing in an arena with another NHL team, probably sharing a lot of the same facilities. and. It's just no, what, be... what's really happening, Max, is they have their own arena. They're allowing an NHL team Correct. to use their facilities. So Correct. let's let's make sure we give you know proper credit here. Correct. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Um, 
but like they've got a great atmosphere down there and i think you're seeing it a little bit more in the word spreading they got five transfers this offseason one of mm-hmm. which came from a, a minnesota team owen Sil- or uh lucas Sillinger. lucas Sillinger, i think yep. yeah um and so it it's gonna be interesting to see how all those pieces can kind of gel and how quickly they can gel having not played together before but having you know the raw talent um on their side there if they can kind of harness that and and come together quick it's going to be pretty tough to to stop some of those teams and they weren't like a low scoring team last year uh most most weeks i'll say they had some struggles right. once in a while but they've got some goaltending help too now so even if they mm-hmm. aren't being able to find out like they've got a, a transfer goaltender coming in there as well to to at least compete or bring up that level of competition in there but I think, you know, what we've talked about before in the Bulldogs and and their specialty throughout history or, the, you know, recent history anyway, is really solid defensive front and then capitalizing on opportunities when you can get them on more often than not five on five. And so if they can play um, maybe not defensive or disciplined, we'll say if they yes. can play disciplined and limit the amount of penalties in this first matchup. I think they're going to have a really good shot of taking both games. But if they find themselves in any sort of a, a game where they're losing their cool and and taking a lot of penalties, they could have quite a bit of trouble with this uh, high-powered offense that Arizona State, I think, could have this year. No, Max, in recent years, uh, and there's, and I shouldn't say just recent, but maybe for those who have only been following UMD for oh, a couple of years, right? Um, the brand for UMD hockey is, well, goaltending. Uh, yes, uh, Ryan Fanti um, was the savior last year. Yeah. Uh, years before that, uh, Shepard, uh, you know, Hunter Shepard, uh, Alex Stalock, just name a few. Uh, you know, it's it's it just it seems to be where Scott Sandlin just finds the guy right now. That guy that was last year, Ryan, he's Gonzo. He's uh, in, in his pro career with the Edmonton Oilers organization, and dare I say, um, very deservedly so, right? He single-handedly stole the NCH series and didn't allow a single marker. Um, I don't recall any of that ever happening before an NCHC tour, uh, frozen face-off history. But which leaves the giant question, who is going to be the guy between the pipes where that seems to be the guy that sort of holds everything together, especially for Scott Sandlin teams? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a massive loss in Fanti. I mean, there was there's no doubt about that. He was the cornerstone of the team, I would say, for the better part of last year, not only was, with Stasekel being out with his um, testicular cancer and, and beating that. He'd ring the bell in December, so really happy to, for that, for him, for UMD and everything involved. But with Fanti gone, that opens the door for him to assume the role that, that a lot of us think that he will have this year. Um, Sandlin talked about it. Uh, I think it was today, actually, where where they were t- going over who was actually going to be in that. And he didn't officially name Stasekel the starter, but he really kind of alluded to it and said that he did perform pretty well in other opportunities when he had them. And just to name a few, he played in the Frozen Four against eventual champion UMass, I think, in 2021? 2021, that- yep. Uh yeah, I think anyway. Um, 20, yeah, 2021, you're right. Yeah, the calendar year, 2021 was when it yep. was. So, yes. Um, and that was an overtime game. And then in the playoffs, they went to five overtimes. Um, he played the majority of that game until he had to be relieved from cramping against North Dakota. He won a game in Denver last year. Like He's played in really big games. It's not like he's going to be coming in without any sort of college experience against really good competition. 
I think he's got what he needs to fall back on. It's just going to be a matter of getting him back up to speed and then maintaining that and, and having the solid pieces around him to make him feel confident and comfortable there. As far as the MNCAA teams are concerned, um, you know, maybe minus St. Thomas. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, uh, the St. Uh, Cloud, um, you know, should be heavily favored in their matchup. The Gopher is heavily favored against the first ever Division One game for Lindenwood. Uh, this one, not so much of, of a giveaway, again, with Arizona State. So uh, I guess what would be some of the keys for success? And again, new faces, new season. Uh, maybe slightly new identity for UMD, but if things are going to go well for them, starts obviously at the drop of the puck here coming up on Saturday at Amsoil Arena. Uh, what are you looking to see that would generate success and getting the first foot off to, uh, you know, in the right direction for the Bulldogs here against Arizona State? Uh, getting the young guys involved early, and that includes both defensive and offensive players. Though, if we can get some people touching the puck and comfortable out there, when you're skating in your first college hockey game after you've spent all the time, you know, whether it's coming up in the area here in Canada or otherwise, you're starting to play in the atmosphere where you're setting your career up or you're really getting kind of entrenched with your new teammates here. So if you can get some of those young guys confident and comfortable really, really early, it's going to be a, a really big step to kind of jumpstart the season itself. Um, what I think is probably going to happen more often than not is Sandlin's going to lean on the veterans and it's going to be making sure that we've got those people leading the way and showing the younger guys how they actually should be operating out there. So the way that I think that they're going to do that is what I mentioned before, leaning on a Biondi or the captain Tanner ladder or, you know, Kaiser on some penalty kills or, you know, Jesse Jocks is back there as well. Um, getting them in some scoring opportunities that they might not have had last year. They weren't a great uh, passing, like a, a, a one-timer team. You would, you would think of like uh, Minnesota or Michigan or even Minnesota state last year, you saw them passing the puck cross ice and you saw them scoring a ton of goals. That hasn't been UMD's game uh, historically with the younger guys that they've got now and some more speed to be able to get into some more open ice and, and, you know, get some more lanes like that. I think we're going to see more of that from the Bulldogs this year rather than some of that fighting in front of the net for those those gritty goals, if you will. So it, it's going to be a little bit different. And if that's what we see, that could be what we're talking about in terms of a, a different style of play for, for UMD here. And if we get a lot of goals early, that's that's going to really jumpstart the confidence and, and get some of these guys maybe shooting more because shooting was something that I thought was lacking last year as well as just getting pucks on net, whether it's a great shot or not something's going to go in eventually and in college it's going to happen a lot more often than it would even in in the nhl level so i want to see a lot of shots to see success early and that uh you know you talk about how the offense can be generated from defense right now um when you have dare i say maybe a younger core um, I, don't you think too, however, that, you know, say that, you know, these newer guys and whether it's Isaac Howard, because again, as highly touted as he is, he still has not played yet a single college hockey game. Um, this, this is where the Scott Sandlin, uh, approach as we know, it can actually kind of help get these guys, you know, some minutes and not feel pressure to start, dare we say, put the team on their back. Um, so I guess no matter how the game turns out. Uh, I guess in that respect, in terms of the way that you play, you got to feel confident that with, with Scott Sandlin, some of the things that he does preach that uh, UMD should have a pretty good feeling about this weekend. And dare I say, should be two wins. What do you think? 
I think it should be two wins. Uh, with that being said, should they lose one of these games? And, you know, we're, I'm not, if it was a blowout, if UMD got blown out at home against Arizona State, I would be shocked. Mm-hmm. If they lost in a one goal game for, you know, some, some bad bounce or they lose another shorthanded goal, which would be un- unfortunate, unfathomable, yeah. and just infuriating. Um, I I would not think that I would be, you know, claiming the sky is falling or anything like that. I think that UMD would be able to bounce back from a a near loss against a team like this. I've seen Arizona State ranked as high as 15 um, on, on some people's boards for this season. And I think that they could easily reach the, the, the tournament at the end of the year. It's just a matter of whether or not they realize their potential and to do that this early against an established team like umd i think is going to be a challenge but it's certainly possible i i would say that i'm expecting two wins from umd here uh, but if they do drop one of them uh it's not going to be the end of the world for me it's going to be a quality loss i think at the end of the year against what what is going to amount to be a, a really quality opponent and uh, early, you know, an early test, you can also, I think, whether, like you said, regardless of whether it's a win or a loss, um, you learn things from that no matter what. I, I think, again, we're for teams like St. Cloud and for Minnesota, these first weekends against much inferior opponents, and that's no disrespect to St. Thomas nor Lindenwood, uh, that you tend to lose a little bit more in those games uh, than I think you gain. So I think UMD's got the at least a better weekend ahead of them. I, I do think that we'll have um, a good shot at two wins, but we'll have to wait and see. Max, this is college hockey. Uh, St. Cloud fans know that all too well. Yeah. Uh, with that <laughs> with that being said, uh, we do have to move into our last uh, if, you know speaker of the evening. We have to go down to Mankato and welcome Welcome in our friend, Alex Micheletti. And as always, uh, happy to be joined uh, for our last segment of uh, Season 2, Episode 1. That's, again, Alex Micheletti here to talk all things the Minnesota State Maverick men's hockey team. Uh, Alex, good to be back, bud. Yeah, I can't believe it. Uh, we're, it's This is the best time of the year. College hockey is back, and so I'm excited for, for year two of the pod and uh, yeah, ready for, I mean, this is going to be a heck of a year for all of the Minnesota uh, teams in the state. Um, you know, I think everybody's going to have a pretty good good season and good uh, good freshman recruiting classes coming in, and so... Yes. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and the and we'll get into it. But the way the the Mavericks start off their season uh, with uh, three Minnesota teams right right in a row, it's it, you couldn't ask for for a better start for sure. You know, it, it's interesting because you know. What's you know what? Screw it. We're gonna put gasoline in the fire tonight. Let's do it, Alex. <laughs> yes. Um When shall we say a certain conference uh, was essentially killed? Uh, we're talking about the WCHA. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these interstate rivalries, for whatever reason, just never kept together. I've never understood that. Um, then COVID happened. And then mm-hmm. for reasons that wasn't like we should play these teams, but for reasons of almost necessity, Alex, because mm-hmm. of travel and control of the variables that were at play, um, these teams got back together again. Holy heck, did the teams that we cover here in the MNCAA podcast and then for college hockey fans alike, man, did they get a good treat of some, uh, shall we say non-conference schedule. And I'm glad to see that a lot of that still see matchups are back again for another season. And can we, can we just put it on the record that don't change this? You know, can we seriously just keep it this way? Yeah. I mean, the games last year when the, the when the teams matched up were incredible. I mean, you, and you take a look at, uh, uh Mankato, they've ended 
Minnesota season two years in a row. Um, so there's <laughs> there's a lot of bad blood there, and I know coming up that you know the Gophers have had this uh, uh, home and home uh, matchup versus the Mavericks. On you know they've been waiting all summer to try to get the Mavericks back, and so yeah, I mean, and you take a look. The Gophers played St. Cloud. That series was amazing, and uh, Mavericks played. Uh, uh, the Bulldogs again last year too. And so, yeah, it's, uh, and the Gophers played UMD too. And so, yeah, it's fun. You know, if the games are highly competitive, they're not, you know, not blowouts. And so no. um, it's, an, and they're intense too. You know, these, uh, these coaches are all buddies too, and they, they want to beat each other. So uh, they've known each other forever. And it's, it's awesome that uh, uh, they've decided to, um, you know, try to get uh, everybody back on the schedule when they can. And it, uh, you know, granted, you know, for maybe lack of St. Thomas and granted, they'll get there, you know, and they're going to make major strides this year. We said this earlier when we were talking to our our dear friend, Ryan Stieg, mm-hmm. um, you know, one team that's looking to not say take big jumps, but maybe clear the last hurdle, right? Mankato, again, uh, last mm-hmm. year's national runner up. So that's two years in a row that uh, a team that we cover here on this podcast was in the national championship game. Unfortunately, just unable to get just over that final hump, uh, Alex, you know, I think us fans are more guilty of it than the actual players and the teams, right? Because once mm-hmm. an old season ends, the book is closed, right? Uh, right. Austin talk, uh, talked about this. I'm sure Mike Hastings down in Mankato is, is preaching the same things, right? Mm-hmm. Which is we can, you know, reminisce or we can wallow all we want. It doesn't change the fact that that's over with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look at this season as a brand new clean sheet of paper. It starts with an exhibition this time against uh, Nebraska Omaha, which mm-hmm. again, NCHC. Um, this is a stacked conference. Now, Nebraska Omaha picked a finish kind of at the bottoms here of it, but still can't overlook these guys because, you know, there may be a piece or two away from really putting things together. And again, they're looking at it too, also as a fresh start. Yeah, another thing, like you mentioned uh, with COVID, it kind of changed the exhibition game uh, style where a lot of the teams uh, would bring down a, a Canadian uh, team. Um, mm-hmm. And let's be honest, the game, those games never seem to be competitive against those Canadian uh, schools for the expi- exhibition. And the games tended to be a gong show, tons of penalties mm-hmm. um, and blowouts. And so uh now no you fan see, interest either no. exactly and now you see uh the team scheduling uh you know a non-conference uh exhibition game like i think the gophers are uh, going to be playing uh, bemidji so um you know it, it's it's i think it's really cool it makes it more competitive um gets you gets you ready for the season or um you know if it's in season keeps you in stride and um and really competitive. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to be awesome for, for both teams to get ready uh, for an intense uh, start of the season and uh, you know, two Mavericks going at it. So it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. That, the battle of the horns, right? Exactly. Uh, who's yeah, going to grab it and run with it, right? Yeah. Horns up for both. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of it too, that's, you know, as fans look at schedules in the past and they said, okay, well, it's nice to get their confidence up. Well, Dare I say when, at least again, for me covering St. Cloud as extensive mm-hmm. as I have over the years, when I asked Brett Larson the question last year, he said, no, we want the tough schedule. Um, Cause not only do the non-conference games come quite a bit into play in the pairwise rankings, right? Mm-hmm. For, uh, you could almost argue that it saved a loose bid to the NCAA tournament uh, mm-hmm. for St. Cloud to kept them afloat uh, when that a very, 
shall we say, a, a 500 mediocre NCHC conference record. So not only are these games a good way to get yourself, you know, into the season and, and try to get things rolling, there's a lot of implications with these uh, with these games. Now, granted, officially for the Mavericks, I'm talking Mankato. Yes. And for, of course, Nebraska, this is officially an exhibition game. Thank mm-hmm. you to the NCAA for actually changing that rule to allow exhibitions against um, like-minded NCAA teams. I think that was such an arbitrary, crappy rule. But anyway, <laughs> it's done now. Um, but like you said, you know whether this one counts toward the score or not, this is an important matchup for uh, Mankato to make sure that they're starting off on the right foot because, as you mentioned, uh, the schedule gets tough and it starts uh, a weekend from now. And that's a home and home with the Gophers. So this yeah. is an important matchup against their namesake, shall we say? Yeah, it's huge. It's kind of like uh, um, like St. Cloud. Um, there's good. Uh, there's a huge competition for who's going to be the goalie. Um, you know. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, David Rennick uh, graduated after a long time with with mm-hmm. St. Cloud, and uh, same thing with the Mavericks. Uh, Dryden McKay. Um, you have to replace a Hobie winning goaltender. So that that's going to be interesting. I think. Uh, They'll use this exhibition game. I'm sure they'll try to get all three goalies um, uh, a period and just try to get them acclimated because you take a look, the, um, you know, the Gophers have their first series this weekend against Lindenwood. Grand, mm-hmm. The games might not be so competitive because it'll be right. Lindenwood's first uh, NCAA uh, um, games as a D1 um, team. And so uh, like, like St. Thomas, it's going to take a while for them to, or uh, a bit to, to get up and running, but uh, right. uh, the Gophers will have two games under their, uh, their under their belt. Um, and um, so, yeah, Mankato is going to have to, um, you know, get really prepared for probably uh, one of the best teams in the country right away. Um, and they did it last year too. Um, you know, they went into uh, UMass and swept, uh, you know, the defending national champions and, um, and did it on a banner night um too um so um good yeah. way to spoil the party yeah. exactly so <laughs> um the home and homes are so much fun uh too um because you get uh you know you get fans that are able to travel uh they'll be able to go to Mariucci friday and then saturday they get to go to mankato if they want um and so it's a fun it's a fun experience i'm glad they're glad they're doing that um too to give both uh fan bases a try but uh yeah, um, looking forward to seeing how the exhibition game goes on on Saturday, and uh, um, you know Nebraska has a really fun barn, and um, yeah, we'll see. It'll really, be one of the one of the nicer barns out there in college exactly. hockey. Really, yes, Baxter yes. is, is an absolute gem. Yeah, uh, a gem that hosted the NCHC pod again during those very tough, uh, you know, times during COVID nineteen at at its at its peak, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, you know, again, St. Cloud. And 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 I, I keep bringing up the Huskies because mm-hmm. you know how about this? If you're a Mavericks fan, maybe you don't mean it this way, but you look at the season that St. Cloud had last year, where they return a bunch of their guys, the runners up in the national championship game, and things just didn't quite click, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now there's always a fear of that hangover, right? That you know that so club precluded hangover. However, mm-hmm. um, every team is different. Every year is different. So is there anything to suggest um, that Mankato will not replicate um, a similar kind of fate that St. Cloud experienced last year? Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of talked about it. The goaltending is just kind of unknown right now. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have, uh, uh, you know, two guys that were on the team last year, but minimal playing, playing time 
yeah, Keenan Rancier uh, played, um, uh, you know, in two games, um, and then Andrew Miller didn't really play. Uh, but they are also bringing in the USHL Clark uh, Cup uh, MVP and Alex Tracy. Um, he's also he's it's it's crazy like how similar like he is to Dryden McKay as far as like he's from Chicago area, just like Dryden McKay was. Um, had a really successful junior career, just like Dryden McKay. Um, same size, 5'11", 6 uh, feet. So it's not the prototypical size of goaltending uh, that you see you know, in, in NCAA and uh, NHL. But um, he has the, the pedigree and the technique. Um, and um, anytime you're the MVP of the, of the USHL, of the playoff, um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's leading to good signs hopefully coming in. But uh, you never know coming into to college. So... Um, it's it's a diff, different ball game than junior hockey, and so he's gonna <laughs> have to be thrown in the fire early. Um, if not, you have the the two guys that have been, like I said, Andrew Miller and Keenan and Rancier that have been with the program for for you know, this will be their second year. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, it's gonna come down to goaltending. It always does. Um, we've seen it uh, time and time again. You can ride a hot goalie into the NCAA tournament and and win the whole thing. Um, we saw it with Denver. Um, uh, Krona was incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, Denver was fi- uh, was a below 500 team the year before, and then they come in and win the national championship. So you just never know in college hockey. So um, hopefully for Maverick's sake that uh, somebody takes the reins early for goaltending and they, and they ride them uh, back uh, to the NCAA tournament. And I guess for those who are maybe are still like Alex, I, this all sounds mm. great. You, you've got Dryden mm. McKay, maybe 2.0 and Alex right. Tracy, you might, yeah. right? right? But right. he's still a freshman. He's still yes. a guy that's new into division one hockey, yep. but there's some positives here. What I mean by that is the style and the brand of Maverick hockey is structured, cohesive, defensive play, right? To take yes. pressure off of goaltenders. So if you are still that fan, that's concerned, um, I guess, Alex, what sort of words would you have to those? Maybe, uh, say we say the Minnesota pessimistic fans, you know, because <laughs> we're all out there, right? right? Um, you know, you should feel confident still that Mike Hastings, he has a system in place that he's going to allow whichever goaltender takes the reins. We don't know it's going to be um, a battle up for grab, right? Um, that you're going to at least give your goaltender a chance to settle in, and you're going to give yourself a chance to win just because of how you play the game, right? Right. So um, the amazing thing about Mike Mike Hastings too is. You, this is the era of the transfer portal. Nobody from the team transferred. Um, so they're all in. Um, they still have two of the best uh, defensemen in the country, too, and Jake Livingstone and Akito Hiroshi, um, that they're going to lean on back there. Um, you know, and so uh, there's still a ton of uh, scoring up front. Um, Brendan Furry was named uh, preseason CCHA MVP. Um, so, um, you know, and Ryan Sandlin decided to come back. Um, he had an amazing uh, last season. Uh, Andre yeah. Pavel, too. Um, you know, he's been eyed by NHL teams. He uh, uh, went to Seattle's development uh, camp over the summer. And so, yeah, there's still a lot of, a lot of talent up front, uh, a really strong freshman class coming in. They had the BCHL MVP uh, joining the team and Simon Tassie and uh, another kid from Penticton, Luke Wilson, who had a really strong junior career. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's still talent there. Um, and uh like you said, um, with um, with how they play defensively, um, they, I mean, they limit a lot of their opponents to 
less than 25 shots a game, you know, sometimes under 20. And so that's really conducive to, 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 you know, a winning formula. And, and so, um, yeah, don't, I don't think this is going to be a down year for any, any, you know, for Maverick fans that are a little nervous. I mean, they were picked by, by the coaches to win the league again. Um, and anytime you can win your league, you uh, you give yourself a chance to, uh, to make it uh, in, into the NCAA tournament. And so, um, especially if you get that automatic bid and then once you're in, um, you're, you know, you're one of 16 teams and you know, anything can happen. Going, right. Yeah, right. exactly. So, so Alex, it's, it's a one game set uh, against yep. uh, UNO. Uh, yep. What's your, uh, what's your prediction to the, uh, which Maverick comes on top? Yeah. I think the purple Mavericks end up winning um, just with, uh, with, we know what's coming back for Mankato. And, uh, you know, I think they're just going to hit the ru- uh, ground running and they have a bad taste in their mouth from, from losing in the, the national championship. You know, they were 20 minutes away from a title. And so, um, I think, uh, uh, they proved it, uh, um, what, like I mentioned to you, the guys that are coming back and no one, no one, de- no one, uh, decided to transfer and they didn't bring anybody in from the portal. And so they like their group. Um, and, they have, like I said, a really underrated uh, uh, freshman class coming in, and I think that they're going to hit their ground running. I'll say a 3-2 uh, Mankato victory. A close one, but nonetheless, uh, the purple and gold Mavericks are the ones yes. that are horns up um, at the exhibition here this Saturday uh, between those two clubs. Alex, you are going to be wrapping things up here, so that will do it awesome. uh, for Episode 1 here, Season 2 here on the MNCAA Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at MN underscore CAA. I definitely spelled that wrong again, but that's okay. I do it every single time. Uh, for Nick Maxson, as well as all of our guests here, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you back here again, same time. <laughs>